Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, tonight, hope Mr. Hashem to have a few concluding thoughts uh, on Teshuvah and Tefillah. And Mr. Hashem, that the focus of this year tonight will be uh, on Tzedakah. And specifically, I think on a practical level, what does that mean that Tzedakah is going to bring a person closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How exactly does that work? With Teshuvah and Tefillah, I think are very obvious, very intuitive sort of idea. Teshuvah, we're repenting, we admit what we did wrong, we resolve to be better for the future. Tefillah, obviously, we're engaged in our dialogue with our Kaddish Baruch Hu, asking for things to change, reflecting on the way that we could have been better. But what exactly is difficult about tzedakah is that it doesn't seem, at least directly, to involve our Kaddish Baruch Hu. It seems to involve a totally different aspect of, um, of the process of trying to become better, and that really seems to be in dealing with uh, other human beings. So it, it's, it definitely seems to be completely its own category. It's a question about how to classify the role of tzedakah in the teshuva process specifically and how it relates to the other two of the teshuva and tefillahs. And that's going to be what we will emerge Hashem explore tonight. So the classic interpretation, the classic understanding of the role of tzedakah is that it really doesn't have that much to do with HaKadosh Baruch The understanding of the role of tzedakah is for our Hilchos bin Adam Lachabera. And the idea is, the Mishnah and Yuma tells us, that Yom Kippur alone has the power to atone. In other words, what we call the Itzumel Shayom, the essence of the day, the power of the day unto itself is to atone and, and to wipe the slate clean. However, Yom Kippur does not have the power to do that when there are issues between Adam Lachaberos. In other words, if let's say somebody stole money from somebody else, then Yom Kippur passing isn't going to solve the, the crime, the sin which he had committed, because the nature of the sin, Hashem says, I can't pardon something when you harmed this, another person, you harmed a victim. So then that person would have to forgive you first. That would have to be the idea of, of, of the way the Mishnah is telling us that Yom Kippur is not Machaper automatically for the laws of Ben Adam Lachabero in the same ways that it is for Ben Adam Lamaka. So given that very basic concept, that's why we're very familiar, during Maser Simeyat Teshuvah, it's often uh, found the custom of asking Mechila from one another because that's the idea. How can I go into Yom Kippur expecting the slate to be clean when Yom Kippur cannot wipe away the sins in our Rinaldum Lachabero. So some of the commentators understand that a very simple approach to what the role of tzedakah here is. The role of tzedakah is to bring an acute sense of awareness here uh, that we have to focus not only between our relationship here between us and Hashem, but also to focus on other people. Because by focusing on other people, it addresses the need to think about other people during this time. And perhaps ironically, sometimes when we're so focused on Teshuvah, it's such an introspective process where a person is often thinking about can, can, and consumed in their thoughts about themselves, it's very easy to neglect other people during this time. It's very easy not to think about other people, not to think about other people's needs. And that's particularly why Teshuvah becomes so important that we say no. The Ben Adam Lamakam is only half of the story. There's also a, another piece here. There's another piece of Ben Adam and therefore, it's important that we focus on that as well, going in, going into uh, Yom HaKippur. We find, this is, I guess, the same sense of duality here. We find going into Yom Kippur that we try to project ourselves like we are angels. So this is the whole idea. The simplest thing about fasting is that angels do not eat and they do not drink. But another place, just to quote Rav Shlomo Zaman, Rav Shlomo Zaman notes that we don't wear shoes. One of the ideas why we don't wear shoes, the simplest thing, is because we're trying to put ourselves in pain. However, Rav Shlomo Zalman notes that another idea is that angels, they don't wear shoes. That's the whole thing. One of the ways that angels look different in their figure from human beings is that human beings have this idea that we wear shoes. We, we don't step directly on the ground. 
but rather we wear the shoes. Whereas angels and animals, well, that's a common denominator that both angels and animals have, is that no, they will go directly uh, upon the ground. Angels will also fly and animals will not usually. But the point is that as human beings, we wear shoes and angels and animals do not. And Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah says, we want to feel ourselves like angels. And that's part of the idea of not wearing the shoes, just connecting directly to the ground. On the one hand, the person is at the core, the animal, in a sense, very humbling and broken. On the other hand, also like an angelic sort of figure where we're above the physical needs of the day. We don't see any desire for the food and drink. Rather, we're able to fly like an angel, but again, without needing any senses of shoes. That was Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Arbach's insight about the idea of not wearing shoes on Yom Kippur. But what is the point of being like an angel? Is it just that I don't have physical needs, I don't have bodily urges? You could say that. Says Rabbi Shlomo Zaman, it's one step deeper. An angel, besides for the fact they don't have the physical needs and, and, and urges that we have, there's another point. They also, as the Gemara says, do not have any sense of kinah between each other, meaning one angel is never jealous of another angel. All the, all the stuff that gets between us as human beings, all the various emotions and issues that we have with one another is something which angels do not have. Angel, angels have no kinobis at all. They just focus on what they're in their lane. They stay in their fo and focus on what job HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to them. And they don't think what someone, another angel is doing. They're very, very focused in the singular the singularity of their approach. I'm connected to what God said, and that's all that they care about. And therefore, on Yom Kippur, when are, we want to become like angels above the regular uh, tendencies of human beings, we don't only do that by abstaining from food and drink. Says Rabbi Shalom we do that as well. By making sure that there's no uh, bad emotions between us. And that's another angle on it. In other words, if I want to be an angel and I want God to see me as an angel and I'm there in my, in, in my kittel and I'm not eating, I'm drinking, I'm not wearing the shoes, I'm trying to portray myself exactly like an angel. I'm screaming, we say it out loud because the angel said it out loud. Again, so many things that we do on Yom Kippur and Yom Kippurim specifically to model ourselves, to make ourselves seem like we are truly angels, but I cannot do that as long as I have these bad emotions between me and other human beings. So therefore, that's the rule on the dark Hateshuva is for a person to repent, not only but also to repent in I cannot fully repent. I cannot become the angel figure as long as I still am jealous of one another. I think this is an insight. I think you can see this um, found in a, a, a Gemara in Yuma. When the Gemara discusses how People had different minhagim, the Amoram, the Rab, and the Gemara discusses many different anecdotes about how they used to ask Mechila from one another before Yom Kippurim. And what you see in the Gemara is that it wasn't only the, the, the perpetrator who would ask Mechila from the victim. It wasn't only like that. The Gemara says that there was once a time where Rab was wronged by a certain butcher, and Rab actually went to the butcher on the era of Yom Kippurim, and Rab positioned himself in front of the butcher waiting. He wanted the butcher to ask him for the mechila. And it was something that Rav made a point of doing, of going out of his way to be in front of the, to be in front of the butcher. And many of the commentators are like bothered by that. Why did Rav do that? Why did, why did, Rav was not the one who, who did anything wrong. Rav was the victim over here. Why was Rav need to go in front of the butcher and Eric Yom Kippur when it was the butcher who wronged him? What is this just like trying to make sure the butcher would do, would, would do the right thing? So what happens is, is that the, some of the Mepharshim explain that based upon this kind of idea is that the reason why we want to make sure that we're on good terms with one another before Yom Kippur isn't only when we did something wrong. We just want to be on good terms with people. And I think sometimes it's not only about mechila. This is an interesting subtlety now. It's not only about mechila. It's about reaching out to people who you may already love. You may already have good feelings, but 
strengthening that connection, strengthening the bond, strengthening the love, wishing someone a good year, all of that, that is a good purpose. It is a purpose of making it seem more angelic, that there is no jealousy, there's no bad emotion between us. We are able to focus on what we need to focus on and during this time without having all the stuff that usually divides us and separates us one from another. So that's an interesting insight. And, and it definitely gives, I guess, the simple approach, the simple approach of why um, it is in fact important to give to, to give tzedakah during this time would be because of that issue in order to make sure that it's, uh, again, that we're not neglecting anybody. We're not neglecting the hilfus bin adam, bin adam la chavero at this point. However, I think you can see from the Rambam a completely different perspective on why teshuva is important now, on why tzedakah is important now. And if you take a look at the Rambam, I think it will open up a very practical side of what it means to give tzedakah during, during this time. A whole different perspective. So in order to do this, I really think it's worth it to see the language of the Rambam inside. And therefore, I'm going to share my screen here. The Rambam writes. Here we go. Says the Ram. This is the method, the path of one who is doing teshuva. First of all, the person should be constantly calling to God, crying and praying. So in other words, even if sometimes a person on Yom Kippur uh, may, be, may be very sad about something, they're not sure exactly what they're broken about, and a tear comes, that's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful sign, because that what it shows, even if you can't pinpoint exactly what it is that you're feeling, but it means that you're on the path of repentance because that's the way of teshuva. Teshuva brings that out. A constant speaking to Hashem, asking from Hashem, an emotional sense. Continues the Rambam. Here's the key line. And the way of someone who does teshuva is that he does charity, he gives tzedakah in according to what is potential, according to his strength. What an interesting thing. And then now right afterwards, the Rambam continues. And and surely he distances, he distances himself from the matter which he sinned. So in other words, if let's say a person ate non-kosher food, he would make sure he's not even close to the non-kosher food during this time. As much as they can, they even tried to change their name. What does that mean, changing their name? Does that mean literally you change your name? Kolomar, what it means to say is, I can view myself, I perceive myself as a different person. I'm not in the same place. I'm not the same person. Uh, who did those previous actions. A person is able to change his actions for good. He has moved on. He has exiled himself, so to speak. He has moved to a different place. So everything that the Ramam here made sense, except for Oset Tzedakah. Because listen to this Ramam. The Ramam just sticks it in that a person, the way of, a, of someone doing Teshuvah is that he gives Tzedakah right in the middle of the discussion of everything of the way that he's moving on from the sin. He prays in front of Hashem. Hashem, don't punish me. Hashem, I feel bad for what I've done. I'm going to distance myself from what I've done. I'm going to resolve. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not the same person who did it again. All of those variables are perfectly related to the teshuva process and the way that a person is clearly uh, resolving that they're not going to do it again. But right in the middle, that Rambam says, and he gives tzedakah in accordance to his potential. Where does that come in, in the way that he's not going to eat that food? Imagine somebody ate not kosher food. This is not a sin that's been adam lachavero. It's got nothing to do with somebody else. It's got to do with him and God. His desire got the better of him, and he ate the not kosher food. So you understand, he's going to cry in front of God. He's going to repent. He'll confess. He'll distance himself. He'll try to see himself in a new light. But why is giving tzedakah kafi koho in any way uh, going to help him in this process of teshuva? So if, as the first approach, which we mentioned, how the point of giving tzedakah so that we focus on bin adam lachavero as well, so that doesn't seem to fit. 
what the Rambam is saying, because that's great, but then that's a whole different angle. That's, oh, by the way, don't forget to do teshuva for the people that you've harmed as well. Give, give charity and make sure that you're involved in good relationships with people. But the Rambam seems to be sticking in these four words, that a person gives out the tzedakah in accordance to his potential within the way of teshuva between him and God. And that seems to be a, that seems to be a very difficult point over here under, uh, to understand. So, what that shows us, and I'll move on now to the theory I'd like to, uh, to, to, to give over here about the role of giving tzedakah, is that let's take a step back. Everything works well with taking a step back. Uh, just let these people in the in. Everything take, works well with taking a step back. We take a step back and we look at where's the first time in the Torah, and I think we've done this already in each of the previous two classes, we go back to the primary sources and we say, what is the original place in the Torah where we find the teshuva happening? So let's ask ourselves, where is the first time in the Torah that we find the Jewish nation doing teshuva? And I think the answer is, as you've spoken about, it's Chet Egel, right after the Jewish people. Same with Chet Egel, quite quickly after that, Hashem tells them that they should make the Mishkan. And that's the way that they... Uh, that they atone for Chate Egon. Now, the truth is, not all of the Rishonim agree that way, but we're seeing it in the simple shot. The simple shot is that the point of the Mishkan was to be a kapara for the Chate Egon. After the Jewish people sin, they now require a spiritual center. They require a centrality of spirituality, a place where everybody can come, focus, connect to Hashem at any time, not be distracted by Yitzhahara, just go to the Mishkan. So the Mishkan is the antidote. The Mishkan fixes the issue of the Egon. The Egon was distance from God, and the idea is that the, uh, the eagle was, represents distance from God and the Mishkan is closeness to God. We relate and understand that. Well, what was the Mishkan? The Mishkan was not just, okay, now you have a Mishkan. You can read out the Sefer Shemos. Everything about the Mishkan had to do with money. Every single thing was a donation, an accounting, a very specific details. And you can almost like, you can, it, it seems very, a little bit boring. Some of those parashas, going through each of the numbers. It was this that was donated, that that was donated, this material, that material, and this amount and that amount. Who brought this? Who came for It's an exact accounting of every detail. But detail of what? A detail of, an, a, 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 of a fundraising project. That's essentially what it was when the people came together to build the Mishkan. So I think this is already the important question. This is kind of the elephant in the room, whatever you know, at, at any fundraising task that is done in the name of God, which is who said that money has anything to do with the Rebunishalav? Meaning spirituality and money are not something which you normally fuse together. Money is a wonderful tool, a wonderful medium for physical, material needs. But what, what does it have to do with Hashem? And if it has to do with Hashem, normally we think of it, the way that we perceive it is, well, it relates to Hashem because if I limit how much I keep for myself, well then I'm not going to be as materialistic I won't be as magushim. I'll be able to be more spiritual. But it doesn't really seem to be nailing it. And I'll tell you specifically, I think in the Chet Egel you see that. Because the Jewish people, they're in the desert. They have every need is, 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 is done by God. It's not like whether they give up that amount, this amount. It's not going to affect the way that they're living on a day-to-day -day basis. And I don't think that we, we realize that. That that's a very superficial outlook on tzedakah. The point of tzedakah is not so you don't have enough to be so to be so materialistic for yourself. Clearly, that's not the point. That's not the answer. That's not the value and why we're giving tzedakah. So in this case, when we see this, that the part of the teshuva process wasn't just that they had a mishkan. That's not what it happened. But rather that the Jewish people were able to come together to build a mishkan by donation and giving up money, we see something else. We see something else here. So what is the something else? What is the magic? What is the money? 
And before we, we explain what the theory is, I think I can just uh, address one more point and see that it's actually an old struggle. It's an old question. You know, why do we need money when it comes to the Mishkan? It says that when Moshe Rabbeinu was told uh, to tell the Jewish people that everybody should donate a half shekel to the, to the campaign, it says that Moshe didn't understand. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, he showed him what the coin looked like. He showed him a matbeah shal ish. He showed him a fiery coin. And he said, like this is what the Jewish people should give. Admitting the Mepharshim struggle here. What does this mean? Moshe had a hard time knowing what a coin is. I mean, how hard is it to know what a coin is? You know what a coin is because you know what a coin is. Moshe didn't know what the coin was. What, what, what's going on over here? So the Chadushi Arim explains. He says, of course, Moshe knew what the coin was. But what Moshe didn't understand is, Moshe, as Moshe was bothered exactly by this, you want to give a mishkan to the Jewish people. You want to make them more spiritual. You want to help them get past Chet Ego. Great. I understand. But what does money have to do with this? What is the point? What are we doing? What is the role of the money? How do we understand why giving money is going to bring them closer to you and why it's going to help them get past Chet Ego? How do we, how do we see that? How do we understand the role of the money? So what is the answer? What is the answer? We understand better. Moshe is struggling with it. We are struggling with it. What, what, what ultimately is the idea? Why is giving the tzedakah so important? So it could be that the, the idea here is as follows. When a person has something, has money, has material, it becomes theirs in a sense of ownership. And ownership is a very important thing. But ownership connects a person. In other words, what you own is in a sense, sense you. But you go to your materials as well because they belong to you. So your, your, your imprint, your identity is all over the money that you have as well. Giving away money to somebody else, the concept of it, giving it to Hashem, giving it to people, whatever the causes are, the idea of it represents the ability to let go. The ability of saying, this is mine. Actually, I can part with something that is me, even though this is me and I know that and I recognize this and I may have worked really hard and given up and sacrificed in order that this is me. And I feel like I'm giving a part of myself by giving this away. That's exactly the point. The point of tzedakah is, the, is that a human being has that. It's very hard to do. We all know it's such a struggle, but it's the ability to give and relinquish a part of ourselves to give up on something which is rightfully and determinedly that this should be ours, to give up of it, to let it go so that someone else or some other cause can have it, despite the fact that rightfully this belongs to us. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands of a human being in the world is to go through this process. The mitzvah of tzedakah is for a person to constantly be living with the mentality that it's possible, it is possible, and I have the capacity to do it, to give up on myself to give up of myself, to make myself lose a, a piece of what is actually me. That is the point of giving the tzedakah, to give from yourself. And the reason why this is so important for teshuva is that the first point, the fundamental yesoid of teshuva is that a person has to be able to believe in themselves that they can change. And I think that's, it's the greatest, such a simple point, but it's the greatest obstacle that we have to teshuva, which is, I want to be better. Of course, we all want to be better, but Teshuva in a process of itself with all the temptation of sin that's in front of us, being better doesn't cut it because the reason it, won't be, we, 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 it doesn't cut it is because unless we resolve to be different, better is not possible. That's a hard statement, but it seems that that's what the Rabbam tells us, that the idea of Teshuva when is when a person is able to say that person who did that sin is not the person that I am now. I have evolved. I have changed. It's not just I grew it's a lot deeper than that. It's that I'm different. There's something here which is not 
the way that it was before. There's a clear distinction between the I who exists right now and the I who existed previously. That's the biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle to Shuva is, do I really think that I can be a different person? Not better, but can I be different? If I'm different, then I can be better as well. And for that reason, I believe I mentioned this from Rav Kook. There's so much uh, of, uh, of an importance on the stress of Teshuva that Rav Kook places on things that are in general help a human being see themselves with an ability to be a different person. Rav Kook writes about, I mentioned exercise, but it could be a hobby. It could be so many different things. It can be taking up something new. The idea that, you know, I always thought I was so interested in this. Well, maybe I'm actually interested in that. I always thought I needed to live here. Well, maybe I can live there. All of these things, like the Rambam says, you move to a new location. You know, what does moving to a new location make you, you know, closer to Hashem? The concept of it is that it all gives us an ability to see ourselves with a possibility that I can be a different person. Sometimes a move can do something like that. Sometimes a new interest, a new hobby. You can become obsessed with a new side of yourself, a new possibility within yourself that was initially just dormant. And that's exactly what unleashes the power to be better. The power to be better lies in the ability to see that I can be a different person. If I can be a different person, then better is on the horizon. If I just want to be better, but I don't want to be different, that's where it gets harder. The, ro- the, the role of Teshuvah is the ability to see a person different. But in order to be different, you got to let go. You have to let go of the things that we've done and the way that they've made an impression upon us. Because every single action that we've done has molded us. It leaves a stain. It leaves an effect. So the ability of Teshuvah is to say, I'm letting go. I'm letting go of a part of me, a side of me. I'm letting go of something inside of me. A piece of me is going to pass with this process of Teshuvah. Or you could think about it differently with the adoption of all these new things that are happening. The new things should change me. And therefore, I will let go of what has been in my past. But either way, the point is, is that ultimately teshuva requires us to let go of a part of ourselves, to let go of whatever was holding us back or causing us to that side of temptation by seeing a different side of ourselves in this point. So the greatest motivation or putting in practice something which sometimes is easier to do it with money than it is with, with soul is to give up of oneself by giving money. That's the point. It's not to fix the bin adam lachaber or just. Even if a person only sinned, and bin Adam Amakom and bin Adam he was a perfect human being. There would still be a role of giving tzedakah when you do teshuva. It's midarkeya teshuva. It is from the ways of a repentant person. The way of a repentant person is that they have to be able to see themselves giving up of themselves. Because if I can't see that I'm giving up of myself, then I'm always going to imagine that sin as a part of myself, as my identity, my past. I can't rid myself of my past. I can't rid myself from the person that I was. I just want to be better. But just wanting to be better will not bring me to the place of teshuva. The derech teshuva is the ability to let go, and that's the reason why giving tzedakah is so important. The 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 Rambam, if you notice, his language was that a person who gives tzedakah, he gives tzedakah kifi kocha. And if you notice, if you think about it, the way it relates to the regular laws of tzedakah, you see that it's really a unique sense of how much to give on a practical level. Normally. We say there's two aspects to tzedakah on a practical level. Number one is that when a poor person asks you for money, when someone says, you know, can I have money? There, there is an important thing from the Torah to give them. There's not a specific amount that you have to give them. But if a poor person asks you for money, it's possible that from the Torah, there's a mitzvah uh, to give them money. And in addition, there's a concept of miser. There's a concept of, it probably is only a drabonon, most of the posts can feel, but a mitzvah and a drabonon that a person should give away uh, a tenth of their assets in ways that you know are either to the poor, bring people closer to God, or things like that, causes like that. Those are very specific, very regimented. 
And it's certainly good time to take care of those obligations. If a person has, you know, money that they haven't taken off miser from, certainly that certainly would be a wonderful time to take care of that, certainly. But that's not what the Rambam was talking about here. That's not what we mean when we say that tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, ma'avunas, ro'agzera. That's not our point. When we say tzedakah, helps us. When the Rambam tells us it's midarche atshuva, it's kifi koichai. Kifi koichai means that you give enough money that it hurts a little bit. That's the key. For every person, that's a different amount. It's a different It's a different thing in a different circumstance. But the point is, you feel like there's a part of you that you just gave up when you give that money. That's the point of it. It's relinquishment. The idea that I gave up for myself. No, that was me. I worked hard for that. And 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 letting go of that, that's midarche hatshuva. It helps a person see themselves as a person who could change, a person who can become a better person. That's the key of what the, the point of giving the tzedakah is. You know, it's often been noted that... Uh, that, that, that the, if you look in the Machzer, it says, Som Kol and Mamun, right? The, on top of the Uchuva, Utsvila, Utsadaka, on top of it, it says, Som Kol and Mamun. So when you think about the, um, the, the, the Gematrias of, of, of these things, so they're all 136, right? That's what often has been noted that it's, it's a 136 in Gematria. And the Gematria of 136, what's the significance, you know, Mamun being 136, what's the, so I'm going, what, what is 136? What is that number significant to us? Why, why do we care about the 136? So there's a beautiful Balaturim. The Balaturim tells us, it's not mentioned in the context of Rosh Hashanah, but the Balaturim is about Yaakov's ladder. When Yaakov Vinu dreams and he sees that there's this uh, ladder that's firmly planted on the ground and it goes all the way up to Shemayim. So Sulam uh, is, is exactly the same point. You get the idea that it's exactly the same Kayach, the 136. And the reason why this is what the Balaturim says, is that the key of mum and Sulam is that exactly that. When you give up of one, then you get to the next rung of the ladder. You go up, you go up, you go up. The more a person gives up from themselves, the more that they grow. That's the key. The key to growth is giving up of yourself, giving up of certain things which seem to be, this is just me, relinquishment, ability to see a new side of oneself. That's the Derech HaTshuva. You go up in the rung of the ladder. And that's ultimately like the great, ladder of life, which is Yaakov's dream, which is when a person realizes, here I am, I'm rooted here on the ground, but on the other hand, the top of the ladder is all the way in Shemai, which means that a person has infinite possibilities, infinite wrongs, infinite ways of growing, and it's all about giving up. Giving up of ourselves brings the ability, uh, brings the ability then to, uh, for real teshuva to be possible. And going back to what we started with a little bit in terms of why mechila is so important, that's really what mechila is. The root of mechila is to give up. A person has a grudge. So a grudge, maybe a grudge is rightful, right? So, but after you have the grudge, maybe you're right for having the grudge, but the grudge then becomes a part of you. And the grudge is something you carry. It's a weight, it's a burden, and it's a very uncomfortable burden. We all walk around with grudges, but they, they, it's hard. We understand it. There's a pain that we have. And it, it's tough because it's like, what am I supposed to do? Somebody wronged me, right? Somebody wronged me. And now I have a grudge against them because I should have a grudge against them because I was the victim. I was wrong. But on the other hand, we want to let go of that, not so much that they're not punished even, but more so because we want to be able to give up a part of ourselves. Again, it's the same thing. If I can't let go of a grudge that I have, even when I'm entitled to have it, it's going to be very hard to do teshuva to become a different person because I'm, I, I find myself locked into what everything that is a part of me. It's very hard for me to part with any money. It's very hard for me to part with any grudge. The more I'm stuck, I'm locked in to what already surrounds me, 
it's very difficult to see a capacity in oneself that I could actually be a different person that I could change. And without that imagination that I could be different, well, then teshuva seems like there's just this great inhibition, this huge obstacle in front of us where it seems if I don't believe that I can be different, then I, I can say the words, I can, I can confess, but the, the result probably won't come. So that's, again, the very important role in understanding that mechila isn't just so that somebody else won't be punished on Yom Kippur. The, the reason why we want to be meichel is because to let go of the grudge is a way of letting go of ourselves. Rav wanted to appear in front of the butcher. He wanted the butcher to ask him, Achila. he wanted to be Michael the butcher, not just so that he could, we mentioned before, he should be like an angel, that there was no jealousy. But now we're saying a little bit deeper. Rav wanted to be Michael the butcher because Rav wanted to let go of the grudge. It was liberating. It's freeing for a person to be able to do that, to give up of themselves a little bit and to forgive somebody else. I think we see this concept <clears throat> where tzedakah relates to relinquishment, giving up of oneself, and how that actually is an extremely spiritual side of oneself, to give up. We see this in the uh, the theme of giving gifts to the poor in the Torah. The Torah always mentions that we should give, from a person who has a field, he's a farmer, he should leave gifts for the poor. Usually we refer to these as leket, shikha, and peah. That means as a person is harvesting the grain, if they pick something up, Maybe they, they drop it, they forgot it, or they have a corner of the field. Those are things which are meant to be left to the poor. And the the key word is, ta'azov osam. Ta'azov is very important language. Ta'azov means to abandon. Not to give, but to abandon. Very interesting subtlety. For example, if I have a, 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 a cousin who is poor, and I would like to make sure that my corner of the field or the grain that I drop goes to my poor cousin. I don't want it just to be left in my field and any poor person can come along and take it. I want it specifically to go to my poor cousin. The halacha is, the law is that I cannot do so. It's not within my control. The halacha is tazu. I have to leave it, go. I just let go. Who gets it? It's not up for me to decide. You know, by truma, the halacha is not like that. There are certain types of gifts in the Torah when you give to a kohen, for example, where the tova sana does is labayla, meaning that the owner of the grain does have the right to choose which coin do I want to give this to. And there we say, it's a beautiful thing. He's able to forge a relationship with the coin. It's not just, you know, the coin needs your hand out. It's a lot deeper than that. The point is that the point is that the, uh, the point, the point is that you're having a relationship. You're choosing the coin by giving him the gift, but not by Lecha Chekopea. By Lecha Chekopea, the key is to abandon it, to leave it. Whoever will come and take it, whichever poor person will come and take it. I do not make the decision about who, who will come along and take it. Now, if you take a look in the Torah, the Torah always mentions these gifts in the context of the Moadim. It mentions it after it discusses Shavuos, but before it discusses Rosh Hashanah. So in other words, in Parshish Amor, it's going through the, the holiday season. It starts with Pesach, then it moves to Shavuos. Then in between Shavuos and Rosh Hashanah, it speaks about the Leket, Shecha, and Peah. Now, just from an agricultural perspective, that makes a lot of sense. Because generally, that's when a person would give like a chekopea, right? After you cut the grain in the spring, and then they would leave it out in Israel, in the middle, the middle East, they would leave it out in the field throughout the summer to dry. So the time for lecha chekopea is typically in the summer, which makes sense. That's why the Torah would speak about lecha chekopea uh, after Shavuos, but before Rosh Hashanah, because that's usually the time that a person would fulfill such a mitzvah. However, the Gemara seems to see something much deeper here. The Gemara notes that the language of the Pasuk is, you should abandon it for the ani and the ger. And then it says, ani Hashem I am Hashem your God. And the very next words in the Pasuk are, 
when Rosh Hashanah comes, then you blow the shofar, right? Rosh Hashanah comes along. So the Gemara connects the words, I am Hashem, your God, to Rosh Hashanah. Meaning, even though it's in the Pasuk of Lech HaChechel Peah, but we kind of take those words, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, and we connect Lech HaChechel Peah, where it said Ani Hashem Elokeichem, we connect it to Rosh Hashanah. And that's how we know that Rosh Hashanah is a day of Malchus. Remember how many Pesukah we recited about God's kingship, the glory of God, the majesty of God. We recited that on Rosh Hashanah. How do we know that Rosh Hashanah has to do with Malchus? How do we know that it has to do with God's kingship? That's how we know. Because at the end of the Pesukah of Lech HaShech it said, give it to the poor people. I am Hashem, your God. And then the very next words in the Pesukah are, and when Rosh Hashanah comes, you know, you blow the shofar. So we take those words, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, written by Lech HaShech and we push it towards Rosh Hashanah, I am Hashem, your God. But this shows us an incredible, incredible sense of depth, of depth over here. What this shows us is that the way that we can appreciate that God is the one who is in control, the way that we can come to a Rosh Hashanah and say, I know Hashem that you're, I'm, you're the majesty, you're in control, you have absolute power to do everything, everything that we recited in Rosh Hashanah, and I'm submissive to you, everything that we want to see in our relationship to Hashem. What gets us to that point what helps us to get to that level is Lekachich Opeah. What gets us there is the fact that we are giving away gifts to the poor. Why does giving away gifts to the poor help us get to Rosh Hashanah and realize Ani Hashem that I am Hashem your God and therefore I am your king? Why does Lekachich Opeah bring us there? How about some other mitzvah? But why giving the gifts to the poor? Why is that going to do it? And the answer is because the key operative phrase here is Ta'azovotah that you have to abandon. To abandon means to give up from yourself. To give up from yourself doesn't mean I gave somebody a gift. To give someone a gift is beautiful and has tremendous value, but that's not the mitzvah lecha chechopeya. The mitzvah is not to give gifts to the poor. The mitzvah lecha chechopeya, rather, is for a person to let go, to realize that even though it was mine, I don't have to have it. And what that means is that a part of me can move on. And if a part of me can move on, then I can see God in my life. I can see something new. I can be a different person. One way of saying it is I realize that I'm not in control. I realize that, you know, everything that really was mine maybe is not mine. But I think the simpler understanding and the main point of what we're trying to take away for tzedakah is that we need to let go. That's the key of giving tzedakah b'chol kol tzarko. It helps a person go through the process, go through the exercise of taking themselves and letting go of a part. And with the mitzvah of that's what brings a person to look at our Kalish Baruch in a different light. Because the second I can let go, then suddenly I am able to see that maybe I can be a different person. I can let other things go as well. If I can let other things go, I can let my money go, I can let my grudges go, I can let that hobby go, I can let that sin go. And suddenly you walk out from the other side and I can let part of myself go. I'm a different person. And that's the dark Ehatashuva. That's the role. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So coming full circle here. Just to wrap this up, that's why after Chate Egel, which is, again, where the whole Chodesh Elul comes from, remember that the 40 days starting from Elul, which culminate in the end by Yom HaKippurim, are the 40 days that Moshe, uh, that Moshe went back up to atone for us for the Chate Egel. He comes back with the Luchos on, this, on, on Yom HaKippurim. That's where it all comes back from. They started building the Mishkan right after Yom Kippur. It all goes back to that, that the key is that we didn't just, God didn't just give us a Mishkan. God came to us and he said, I want you to give up of yourselves and build a Mishkan. I need to you to, 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 to see that you, you can give up if you can relinquish and give your money. Well, then that beauty of Mishkan can come a possibility. And that's why it's Chuba for Chate Egel. It's Chuba for Chate Egel because 
the sin was there. You can't erase what happened. You can't just say it didn't happen. As long as it's a part of you, so it's stuck to you. It's, it, it's forever there. But the way to do it is to make yourself a different person. The old person had the sin there. I'm a different person. The new person didn't. And that's the key. The key is to give up of yourself by giving up of yourself, as the Ram says, a different Indian. You have to let it hurt a little bit. Once it hurts, then you know you did what you needed to do. That's always the question. You know, people used to say this. They used to say, I think I, think, I believe what the Samarab, they used to ask him, how much do you have to give? He used to say, until, until, until there's pain. Until there's pain. I think, I think that's the understanding of what he, more or less what he's trying to say, is that that's the idea. Once it hurts, you know that you've given up a part of yourself. You're able then to go through the teshuva, the teshuva process. So this now becomes the last leg. To summarize, the simple idea of tzedakah certainly is to be not only to focus on the makam, but as we've been discussing the theory as well, is that part of the dark teshuva, as we saw in the language of the Rambam, is to give tzedakah because the more that we can give up of ourselves, the more that we give up something that is us, the more I can give up other things, the more I can be a different person. We should all be zeichet to beautiful, beautiful tzivach simatayva, k'marach simatayva at this point. We should have a beautiful yom adin in front of us, yom slicha v'chapara. We should have everyone, God's cloud Yisrael, and everyone should miss Hashem, have a wonderful year up in the upcoming year. Good night.